Okay, it's that time of year again. It is Christmas season and it is Yuletide and we are sitting here with our Christmas bells on. And along with me is my partner with the, the biggest bells of them all, Thomas Bells Kerchival. How are you doing? Hello. <laughs> As you can hear, we started early today. Yeah. Yeah. Early for me, at least. Yeah. But I've got the traditional... Uh, Yule log burning in my fireplace as I yeah. do every year that we have done this Yuletide show for the past couple of decades. Yes. And, um, yeah, I'm ready to go. I think so. The fake snow is drizzling down here and uh, it's it's getting into my drink. So everything is as it should be. Sort of, yes. Sort of, yes. So uh, as you can hear, we, we are terribly prepared for this. Uh, I kind <laughs> of, I had my last day yesterday at work. And then it's the Yuletide today. I I really haven't literally had a time to sit down in the couch and draw a breath and realize it's holiday. It's really been one go. So this is really the last thing that, at least for me, I'll do before holiday starts. And we have a couple of days to prepare. Then we'll take off, go up to the northwest coast, visit my parents. So that's the usual Christmas tradition in our household. I don't know what's in store for you, Tom. Well, I have... Still, some Chris, as you would as you would expect from me, I am not fully prepared yet for Christmas Day. I have some presents to purchase, many presents to wrap, all for me, of course. And maybe <laughs> the children will get the crumbs um, from my riches that I have earned this year from the podcast. But uh, no, I, I we are staying home. But um, yeah, it it should be a nice week. The, the week leading up to Christmas is always nice and and laid back and. Week to be doing this show, yeah, and um, yeah, and we just did one so not too long ago. So we're actually kicking into high gear here for at least a brief moment in the as we end the year. Yeah, we got to be careful not to overdo it. Yeah, so maybe this is a good time then. Let, let, let's talk about the year that was. And you just said to me off air, um, this is the ninth show that we've done this year. So, and this is our worst, right? This is our worst amount of shows that we've ever done as far as quantity. Yes, as far as uh, <laughs> quantity. We had a pretty good uh, streak of quality there for, for a while, before the 50th episode. Exactly. Quality, I think, is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking 48 and 49 were kind of dips in the, in the quality level, but not, not because of our special guests, but uh, no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did have a few interesting moments this year. We did. Um, me, me being off for a while, and you taking the reins, and the, those were some interesting shows. And um, thanks to CJ and Arlen again for pulling the slack there, picking up the slack. Yeah, they really did. And without them, I don't know what would have happened because such a long break, it, it's hard to get back from. And um, we we have some patient listeners. What can I say? <laughs> they're still there I, th I think most of them at least some of them although when I asked for feedback for this uh, Yuletide episode we uh, I think last year we had 18 speak pipes and, and this year we have 6 <laughs> there might there must have been some uh, loss of uh, of momentum and perhaps listeners there too but hey you know eventually people get to it I'm sure some people will listen to this Yuletide in July yeah so that's, true. that's your prerogative <laughs> that's very true but you know, people have—we all have lives to lead, and we squeeze these, squeeze these in when we can. And I'm sure the same can be held true for people trying to submit speak pipes. But with the ones we did get, we appreciate. We're going to get to all that stuff. Ho ho ho! 
Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all you listeners out there in Wonderland. I'd like to say especially a great big thanks to the band for everything they've done for us over the years, making music for us, keeping us happy, making sure we're always having a good time at their shows. I'd like to thank Tom and Svine for this wonderful podcast. The Great Divide really has covered so many things about the band that I simply didn't know about, and I'm always amazed with some of the details these guys can find. They really have made the music mean more to me. They've meant the whole big country experience mean a lot more to me. And it especially means a lot to me to know that there's such a great community that they've created around the podcast, uh, fans of the band, friends of the band. Uh, it really feels like a family, and considering we're spread out all over the world, I think it's a major accomplishment. So Merry Christmas to everybody, and stay alive. In case you're new to our Yuletide episode, um, this is kind of the more laid-back uh, version of the show, and it's not a whole lot of thought that goes into this one as much as as much as the others and this is kind of the show where we allow ourselves to talk a little bit about what we've done in the past year and of course it's always about big country but a little less um specific and yeah you know we give ourselves a little uh leeway in talking about ourselves a bit yeah, if you're looking for specific big country content this will definitely be lighter on that but uh, it will not be totally blank and devoid of it as as yeah. we'll get into eventually but like you said let, let's look back into the year and i guess um it should be mentioned that we <laughs> the gap and the, the the lack of episodes <laughs> compared to previous years started at the really the uh, the early part of the year because of the flurry of episodes of last year i think that's fair to say that we had four episodes of steel town plus uh, a yuletide and actually some pre steel town deep dive episodes coming out in just the space of a couple of months yeah. and uh, most of them really in december so <laughs> i think there was burnout on every wow. front and we did need a break so in march we picked up again and we needed really a hook to get us back in and that hook actually came from big country fans and that was the fan adaptation of uh, a certain chemistry yeah. which uh, which you and i tom had very little to do with i think you helped edit it together but Everything was contributed by fans and by, by people out there. And that became a remarkable document. So uh, us getting back together was really a chance to talk about the book. So uh, we had Tim on, who was really the director, I, sh I think we can say, of that project. So oh, we no talk doubt. Yeah, so we talked a lot about that project. We talked a lot about the book as an independent entity. And uh, and that was followed up with the actual audiobooks. I thought that was a great kickoff even though it was a late kick as far as the year and the calendar goes, but that was uh, that was a great one. I agree. I, I was really proud of that, and not because of anything that I necessarily did, because as you said, it was it was uh, spearheaded by Tim Eldred. It was his idea, and it was taken up by so many other people who he put the call out for people to, to participate, and they answered the call. And the only thing I did was kind of edit some of the stuff together. But the reason I say I'm proud of it is because it's it, it's really kind of the sh what I wanted the show to be and and getting people together and developing this sort of community type of approach and that that was such a great example of that because what a cool thing that was to listen to the final version yeah and uh it's something that people can always go back to anytime it's it's great to have that book in audio form and read by real passionate big country fans and so 
kudos again to Tim for that idea and for pulling all of that together and to everyone who contributed to that because it was a really cool labor of love that I think everyone involved should be proud of. Yes, absolutely. And I'm very proud that that ended up actually being episode 45 of the podcast. Yeah. And uh, to some degree, I I have to say, (laughs) like the movie, we're not worthy because that is, uh, it, it, it is its own entity. And it deserves to be seen as its own entity. But obviously it was made a podcast episode, but that doesn't prevent it from being its own entity. And uh, people should pass that around, share that with other you know, people out there. Right. And uh, that's much less about the podcast, I think, than, uh, than it is about the episode itself and uh, the effort that went into it. So uh, I, I was super happy to have that be part of the, the podcast series. Uh, that really does us... A ton of good. It makes us really proud and makes us look better. It does. Hmm. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. Very much so. So if you uh, haven't listened to it yet or it's been a while, go back this Christmas and listen to it because it's really, really cool. Yes. Uh, The next one we did was uh, an interesting one. We took a look at Big Country in 2015. And that was one that on paper I wasn't sure if it would work. It's kind of like one of those topics. Okay, what are big country doing? They're touring. They're doing this. They're doing that. Uh, there was a new song this year, so we shouldn't forget that. We got "Love Is the Law," uh, and we uh, we we discussed all these things, and not just what are they doing, but what should they be doing. And uh, we got into the crowdfunding model a bit, and we discussed really a lot of uh, what ifs. And apart from John visiting and drinking up your uh, your stash of, of booze during the episode. <laughs> uh, he obviously contributed uh, to that. So I thought that ended up being quite a fun episode. Yeah, he was sitting out in the in the, in the foyer, the foyer, foyer, <laughs> whatever you want to pronounce it. It was so funny seeing him sitting out there and, and <laughs> I was in the other room and we were in Norway and what a what a ragtag operation that was. But yeah, that was fun. It's always it's always fun to get John on the show and we have to coax him to be on the show. He he likes to be the man behind the curtain, but sometimes we're able to coax him out. And he, yeah. It's always fun to have him on the show and add his uh, his thoughts. But yeah, that was interesting. And it, it, I think we've talked a lot about this year, more probably about what big country is doing in the present time than we've done much in the past, But um, yeah. which has been interesting. But it was nice to have a new song to talk about. And of course, there's always the, the bass player drama that's come up and which wasn't um, even a, a point at that time. That's right. Derek was still firmly He was still in the with band. the band, yeah. So yeah, can you imagine if we had that in addition to talk about that <laughs> <or> that <laughs> double right. episode? Yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Now that happened uh, right as I was sitting down with CJ. And uh, we'll talk about that when we get to that oh, episode. Yeah. But that was... Um, we were going to talk about covers, obviously. And that would have been a loose episode. But then we had to start with quite a serious topic, that Derek left the band. And that was extremely fresh news as we sat down to talk about it. So that was um, you know, how do you attack that and how do you go from that to a more jaunty, merry tone? <laughs> so that yeah. was uh, that was an interesting one. So that was I haven't still listened to any of those. I haven't listened to any of the episodes that I wasn't on. I it just you know, I just have refused to. But Yeah. Uh, there's all this allegory. You know, it's like uh, you divorce a wife. You don't want to know about the next guys you're shagging. <laughs> That's right. No, that. Uh, so I think, but but I CJ think CJ um, appreciate that comment. <laughs> gosh, it's uh, it's a for Arlen. 
It's yeah, or you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody appreciates that comment. <laughs> no, but it's uh, it to, to finish up the, the big country in 2015. I mean, that was one of the questions we got uh, for from from uh, from the listeners. Like, what do we see the band doing in uh, 2016, and what should they be doing? Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of feels like we could just bleep out the 2015 and fill in 2016. It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it is. So. Um, you know, I mean, we know we know we've got the Sea Year tour coming, and we we kind of we kind of know what's to come. So it's not a matter of what to wish for. I no. think uh, I think probably the only thing left to really hope for is new music. Pretty much, I think not a lot has changed there in terms of what we hope for and what uh, the band is doing. But uh, yeah, we can talk about that more towards the end as well. Yeah, because uh, after that episode, you signed off for a while. I did. Yeah, and we have kind of covered the reasons why, and uh, people who came in, and uh, we we covered some topics, and as far as the topics, Arlen and I covered Tony Butler, obviously, the great unknown, and uh, you said that um, you were kind of okay with that, because you like the album, but you don't have the close relationship to it listening back, because you said you listened back, um, that Arlen and I obviously had, so... That yeah. was what, that was one I talked about doing for a long time, and for me that's a massive album. And uh, interesting for for Arlen, it kind of became a massive album during the three four weeks he had to prepare for that. So um, that uh, that always helps. So your lukewarm comments weren't missed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what you would have gotten. There there, there was there are some great. St- uh, moments on that album and uh, and some things I probably probably would have talked very uh, excitedly about, but yeah, as a whole, the the album doesn't really hold a huge place for me. I hate saying that, but it's just the way it is for me. Um, yeah, no, that, so, yeah. So fine. I was really happy that you guys could do it and that you could lead that because I know how much that album means to you. And then it was kind of cool to hear Arlen talk about discovering it, sort of through, yeah. through listening to it. So that was great. It uh, became a very great perspective to to have uh, the long-time listener and uh, the new listener. So I hope that was fun. We um, we didn't get a ton of feedback on those episodes. So actually, I had to go to my wife and say, "How do you like that? How how is, how, how is it really?" And uh, you know, she did like it. Yeah. And uh, I pushed her for you know what could have been better. And uh, she had an interesting comment that um, you know, if anything. Arlen and I are probably too similar in our approach to dissecting stuff and uh, mm. and uh, our approach to discussing something. So uh, that is what's missing, that you and I are a little bit more different again, and that creates a certain dynamic. But uh, I think, uh, you know, Arlen and I, I think the way we went to town on that, I think I really would challenge did. anyone to, I mean, it, I think it surpassed a lot of our own deep dives in, in some ways. And <laughs> probably did. Probably yeah. it, it demands a lot of the listener. So I'm totally fine with people taking dips into it and listening over a longer time because it's, uh, it's probably a challenging listen, especially if you don't know the album. Yeah. And I know a lot of people don't have the album. So <laughs> I can only imagine, you know, poor guys, you know, you have to struggle through that. You probably needed all the extra months just to get through that one. <laughs> but but <laughs> I'm, me, I'm exceedingly proud of the episode. Oh, you should be. You definitely should be. But, and let me ask you this, because I know that you let Tony know about the episode. And he, yes. I think he replied and said thank you. But I don't know 
um, if he ever listened to it or let you know that he listened to it. Did, did he ever get back to you as saying whether or not he listened to the show? I wrote to Tony and said, we, I, I thought you should know that we did an episode on an album you released 18 years ago and that people are still enjoying. And this is the link. And uh, he, he, I, I just left it at that. I mean, no expectations of anything. I didn't really expect the response but he did reply once um just to let me know that he was actually very touched that someone had discussed the album and uh, he did point out even though i didn't ask him that he was still not comfortable uh coming on to anything or discussing anything or he didn't want to involve himself but he really enjoyed that thing and he said uh, i'll get back to you you know I, i will listen and i will get back to you and he didn't get back to me, and that's fine. He, he knows we did it, and that's uh, enough for me. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good. Well, maybe one day he will end end his hiatus from whatever this is. I, it's kind of interesting to me. I, I can't totally understand that perspective, but it's certainly respected. It's everyone's got to, you know, do what they need to do for themselves. But yeah, uh, no, I think it's uh, it's probably hard because he. Um, there's a couple of heartbreaks there's been some tremendous downs and some probably different types of downs and we we know the circumstances around when when he left seemed to be a little strange with Ian Grant leaving the same day almost and people being on different sides to as to who continues to represent who but right. um you know well, I'm not even talking about big country so much as as far as just his own album because i mean that album was all him so yeah, I, that, I that, think that's, it would have taken more of an interest in in talking about that or that's true uh, and that was kind of we talked about it maybe this is the way to get him you know a hook for him into yeah. into our show because n- no secret about it you know we, we've spoken to everybody after having had everyone else yeah you know getting him him on would be fantastic but uh no i still want pat ahern <laughs> one day we might get him he's very <laughs> elusive that pat ahern he's very elusive very elusive at all yeah it uh, that's what i w- meant before when i said i was a little surprise I, I totally understand his reticence of talking about big country that makes sense to me mm. but yeah I, I just didn't quite get why he um i uh, mean it's, I, it sounds like i'm criticizing him and i'm not at all i i, I just don't understand in a way because when you're talking about a work that is so he he invested so much of himself in it really reflects him I yeah that's true he'd be willing to talk about that but no i think um when, when you have a break and uh, as long as social media exists out there, you're going to be continually reminded of the thing you're trying to take a break from. Because you see how often people will tag him in stuff on Facebook. And he's tagged in this and that. And there's videos and there's this. So for someone who's trying to get a break from big country, the fans are not really giving him much of a break. Because every time he logs on, he will have been tagged in something else. <laughs> and uh, that's just how it works. And... Um, how much of a break is it really? You're reminded of it every day. So he's probably never getting the space that he wanted to have, but then I no, think he, he needs to he needs to log off Facebook for that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Now he should be proud. It's uh, it's a legacy and it still means something and I think that was a thing you pointed out to him when uh, he said he was uncomfortable talking about his past and you said for us it's still very much the present. Right. Yep. So it uh, shouldn't be forgotten at all. So, yeah, so that was that. Uh, two very deep episodes, and I guess that ended up being the deep dive of the year because we didn't do another one, even though we are very close to one. We just 
didn't quite make it before Christmas, but I think we'll start earlier next year with uh, the next uh, album, Deep Dive. So um, th that was it. And the next episode was the one that I did with CJ, and that was another tradition. I, I actually started looking back over the years. And one thing we have every year, we've had it so far, is the countdown episode. Where we started with the B-sides, then we went into album covers, and we had favorite big country videos. And this year it was the covers. <laughs> so without really planning it that way, every year we seemed to have a countdown episode. So I was glad that we actually managed to put one in through just uh, tossing ideas around and it ended up being that thing. So we, we keep that tradition going as well. Yeah, that was a fun episode. I enjoyed listening to that one. Yeah, a much lighter one. And uh, it was uh, very entertaining and very interesting <laughs> how different our lists ended up being. Yeah, some, some great little uh, quips there between the two of you. So that was, that was good. <laughs> I, give CJ CJ. All the, I give her all the credit for the quips. <laughs> Well, that that was a good one, but uh, I um, I think uh, everybody was very happy to have you back for the fiftieth. And fifty, oh, huh? How about that? I know I planned it that way. <laughs> I'm back. Had to come back for the fiftieth. I can't believe yeah. we made it fifty. But um, yeah, I mean, I I I just lost my mojo for a while, and uh, coming back was was fun. So it was it was good to get in the swing of it and being a little bit refreshed and. And it was also great too. Uh, the one great thing for me this year was that you learned how to edit during that period. So, <laughs> so um, yeah. you know that's a big help. And I know that you said to me too that do, just doing it, you see that how much how involved that can be. So that to have to be able to share that load is very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think I mentioned it in the last Yuletide that uh, I'm now starting to dabble in this because I saw the load uh, last time for Christmas. We had that onslaught of episode really. Yeah. And, and and you had to edit each and every one. You had to, otherwise there wouldn't have been a show. Now, you don't have to. Now we can actually distribute this thing and uh, avoid burnout yes. the same way that we, we did because I think that was <laughs> too much to expect of anyone. And I don't think anyone has quite given you the credit for, for taking that load. Oh, well, thank you. So, um, no, that's that's it. But So you kept it going. And I think... Um, this is the year where I have actually edited more episodes than you. Even if you edit the Yuletide, which we haven't discussed who'll do it, but even so, I still think you. I have one on you. I can do it. <laughs> That's fine. I actually have the time. So when you get back from your uh, poor, pathetic uh, Redskins game tomorrow, it'll be done. <laughs> Good. Good. Nice. Awesome. Now, the 50 was great, and we also had um, a beautiful tribute from... Jim Simmons of the rock group Kiss. Uh, that's right. Yes, that was so awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that was so great. Uh, yeah, we got Ken Mills from uh, the the Mighty Podcast to do his great Gene Simmons impression, and it was so funny when I when I posted that. Um, a lot of people didn't realize that. I was surprised that a lot of people really took it at face value that it was Gene Simmons, and some people were saying, "How did you get this?" <laughs> I just thought. Well, number one, that that makes it uh, that's really a good compliment on the impression, and it is a great impression. And but number two, I was like, wow, they really must think that we have some sort of uh, I don't know connections <laughs> in the in the quote unquote industry to get Gene Simmons to do something for, the, for a big country podcast. I, th yeah. I thought people would immediately would say, oh, who did the voice of Gene Simmons for you? But no, people really thought that it was Gene Simmons. Some people. <laughs> Oh, so yeah. That was great. I, that, I really enjoyed that. Well, people know that Gene will do anything for a dollar. That's true. 
that's very true. Yeah, and we are stinking rich, so we can we can get anyone that is available <laughs> for a price. So that was fun. Next was time for the hundredth, we'll actually pay Gene to do our, our real one. <laughs> that guy does a great David Lee Roth impression too. So maybe we'll get David <laughs> Lee Roth. On the show or yeah. <laughs> Happy trails to you. All right. Now that was that was a fun episode too. I think a lot of people liked the uh, the uh, the egg timer. Oh yeah, the egg timer. The egg timer. <laughs> it, it worked better. You you never know how these things are going to work. I think in hindsight, it was a, a successful experiment. I think it was angering you at, at times because I could see the countdown and. And the, the egg timer would almost always go off right when you were about to pick up a thought or before you finished. <laughs> Anger is the wrong word. <laughs> but but uh, the timing was sometimes. I think, you know, the one thing that people gave comments on, the one thing they didn't like was when I was cut off right before I was about to describe my collection. <laughs> so we we had three minutes of discussing the uh, the shambles and dire straits of, of your <laughs> collection and how you keep it, really and then I was about to start and cut off. <laughs> Time to move on. So that was one. That was the one comment, and that was for many people that they they wanted to hear. I was so, thinking about you the other day in my car because I was looking for. Um, I opened up a case, and there was no CD in it. I was thinking, <laughs> where is that CD? And and this was a this was a newly acquired Japanese box set that I just received. <laughs> no, as as a gift from um, the wonderful John Govea. Uh, so yeah, and and I thought, where is that? And I thought, oh yeah, this is this is the Japanese box set. I need to find this. And then I could see Spine in the background, just getting himself worked up into a frothing rant. <laughs> Pearls for swine, John. <laughs> you you want to give your gifts a better home. Gosh. It's a pristine copy, as you would say. Not without the CD, it isn't. <laughs> it's been returned to its rightful place. Okay, for now. We'll see how long that lasts. Okay, no, but that was the 50th. And as you can see, lots of traction there for, from that one. Yeah. And then we have the, the Kirsten interview. Yeah. Which is pretty recent at this point, but people seem to like that. And uh, I think it's the only track-by-track track of her album that uh, she's done that I've seen so far. It's got to be. It's got to mm-hmm. be. And, yeah, and, and Kirsten is now following us on Twitter, which is nice. So, um, yeah, it, it's. I was really, really happy to be able to get that interview, and it meant a lot just to have Kirsten Adamson on the show and really appreciate the good feedback that we got, too. And, and I... I know that some people were disappointed that we didn't talk more about big country stuff. And to be honest, I kind of was too. I wanted to, to go back and delve into the past reminiscences of that kind of thing. But and, and I would have done that if we had time after going through her album. But I, I just really, I just really felt strongly that it would have been good for her, and it was kind of the right thing to do, I guess, to talk about her album because I know that's what she was interested in promoting and. Um, yeah. something she worked really hard on and deserved to promote it and I, I mean I think it's a really strong album and shows a lot of talent and a lot of, uh, a lot of promise and so we did that and I, I think I can't say for sure but I get the feeling that she was really uh, appreciative that we took that approach instead of just coming right out of the gate and say so what was it like growing up with Stewart and that kind of thing but there are a lot of great stories we could have asked and asked about and hopefully we'll get another chance to do that because she seems really um happy with it and 
seems uh, that she understands the show a little bit now, and, and maybe that episode will be a good good launching point to get her on the show again down the road where she can maybe talk about some of those other things. So we'll yeah. see. And I did force her to say that she would be back. Yes, you did. <laughs> I cornered her. Yeah, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I loved your line in, in there when you first when you first uh, joined us at the end, and you kind of said, "Okay, so how much time you got left? What what are we talking about here? Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that was funny. But yeah, it was that was fun talking with her. She's a, she's a sweet girl and uh, very talented. So. It was it was good. It's great to get Chris Adamson on the show. Yeah, and absolutely. I've seen that a lot of people have discovered the album that way and and uh, seem to like it. So that's good. That's what we were trying to do too. So we appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. I saw that you said uh, uh, that people should mention on our page that they heard the album on the the Great Divide podcast. Do you know if many people did it? Uh, one person did. I I noticed one person did. Um, she's the Israeli girl. Oh, Eilat. Yes, Eilat. Yes. Um, yeah, Eilat mentioned it, and um, and she wrote, Eilat Y. Saxstein. She wrote, thanks for the thanks for the interview on the Great Divide podcast, Kirsten. It was lovely to hear you talk about the songs. Shame it was so short. And Kirsten did like the comments, so that was good. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So wonderful. Thank you, Eilat. Yeah, thank if, you very if, much. If everybody had done that, then she would definitely have come back. She would have said, "Oh, this is one of my main outlets." Yeah, and uh, and a bunch of people liked my post when I said that, but Islet was the only one who actually went on there and and did it. So thank you, Islet. <laughs> Have yeah. it you to the rest of you. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's the same as when I ask for uh, for questions and comments for the Yuletide. A lot of people like it, but a fraction actually offered something. Yeah. So liking something is the the new Facebook. Like we're gonna have this protest march against so and so. How many people will join? And on Facebook you can you can join, but nobody will actually show up. <laughs> it's it's the new disease with Facebook that it's too easy to just click like or I support you in spirit, but I'm not gonna do anything about it. Thoughts are with you. <laughs> right, but that's our lot really. 2015. So yeah, that, that's it. That takes us up to now. So, are we are we pleased with with our year? I think so. I think so. I think uh, ending it on the Kirsten Adamson note was a was a huge deal for us, and I think that makes yes. up for some of the the lost uh, quantity in episodes. And like we like we always say, we do the best we can. This is not a job for us. Clearly, uh, it's something we do for for the enjoyment of it and for your enjoyment of it. And um, some of the speak pipes that we did get this year, uh, there are a couple in particular that I was really glad to hear because it made me yeah. realize why we do this. And and knowing that it goes out there and makes people happy and gives them something to listen to and feel like they're a part of the community and big country community and keep that fire burning, that's really great. So that's all we wanted to do from the beginning. Hello, everyone. This is Kenny Henderson from Glasgow, Scotland. I'd like to say thanks once again to everyone involved in making the Great Divide podcast. I'd also like to say congratulations on reaching episode 50 this year. Uh, Also, congratulations to Tom on his uh, fantastic album earlier this year. Um, And also congratulations to Svein for becoming the Bruce Watson of the Great Divide podcast. Uh, If I've got it right... um, Svein has now appeared in more episodes than anyone else, just like Bruce has uh, performed in more big country shows than anyone else. Um, Sadly, I've only got to see big country once this year, but 
Uh, I'm not too sad about that because uh, I'm sitting here right now with my big country advent calendar. If you haven't seen one, it's got a band member behind each door. I'm at day 13 and so far it's been all bass players. Uh, that just leaves me to say to all the great Divide listeners and the presenters, have at yourself a merry little Christmas. You know, if we do another nine this year or whatever, it'll still be going and hopefully uh, hopefully it'll still be a, a good show that people will find that kind of joy in. So, yeah, even if we fizzle out. So yes. 15 years from now, we're down to one episode a year and that will just be the <laughs> Yuletide and we'll just be ranting about anything else. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I, I think... Um, as far as 2016, we already have some plans, and uh, the situation is totally different from, from last year this time. Now we have concrete plans, and probably both of us, some level of preparation for the next deep dive, which will come in the January-February time frame, yeah. and that will be the Buffalo Skinners. Yeah. So that's at least three, if not four, because it is a long album, uh, episodes of um, of just deep dive there. And once we're done with that, there there are other topics that uh, at least I have in my head, and Tom probably has a few things knocking about as well. So I think um, I think we'll be doing even more next year than we have now, unless you have a new album coming out. <laughs> well, I'm trying to work on that at some point, but uh, it's no nothing in the on the <laughs> near horizon. I still need to promote my current one and. And it's another another thing, but um, yeah. And we didn't mention that we did a special episode for that album. That um, if you subscribe to the Great Divide podcast, you will get that, and uh, that is obviously one. If if you count that, that's actually the same effort I think as normal for both oh, of yeah. us. Yeah, and that that was great. I, I appreciated you doing that, and um, yeah, I appreciate the people who comment on commented on that. And I think it's I still get uh, some good good views on my page i think probably coming from that episode so that's great mm-hmm. and by the way i i, I want to say something too about the album this is a little self-promotional but uh it's something that i that i decided to do here recently we, we all know that there was some sad news uh this year that mike peters is dealing with his battle with cancer again and uh, which really bummed me out i mean and i know it bummed everyone out the, the great thing is that he's dealing with it with his, the usual spirit and fight that he always does and i uh, hopefully things will work out well for him again but I, did, I i didn't make my album to make money in any respect so what i decided to do uh recently and i haven't even posted it yet but i i, I tried something earlier where i donated all the money that i made from selling the album to a particular charity but i thought that going forward i'm going to donate everything that i make from the sale of that album to mike's love hope and strength charity so we're not talking about a lot of money here, <laughs> but um, if you want to purchase the album, uh, We Were Here by me, uh, now's a good time to do it. And just moving forward, I, I'm going to donate every single cent that I make from that to his charity. And a lot of that is, is just because he's such a great guy, but also because he was so nice to allow me to come up on stage with the band years ago. And that meant a lot to me. And I just really care about the guy. And I know a lot of you guys do too. So and wish him and his family the best. So if you have any interest in the, in my album um, and want to buy it on iTunes or CD Baby or whatever, just know that uh, every cent is going to be a donation to his charity moving forward. So That's awesome, and that's well worth uh, putting out there. 
And okay. it also fits within the, the spirit of Yuletide and the Christmas season. Yes. So I think everybody appreciates that. That's a great initiative, Tom. Well, good. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, I, I think we're kind of done with looking back at the year. And um, that takes us to the second part of the Yuletide. We're going to try something new this year. We we kind of did Christmas already a couple of times. And last year we talked about New Year's. So we, we, we have kind of exhausted the entire Yuletide season as far as big country content. So now... Festivus. It's, yeah, it's Festivus. We have that left. We can, we can <laughs> call it the Festivus uh, episode this year. The airing of the grievances. <laughs> I thought that was every episode. <laughs> the um, constant state of Festivus around here in the Great Divide Studios. <laughs> now what we're going to try this year, this is something, uh, again, like the Egg Timer. We don't know how this will work, but we figured... We did as much as we could around Christmas and New Year's for Big Country. So now we're going to start involving other bands. What we are planning to do this year is to look at Big Country inspirations. Uh, The music of Big Country can inspire us all in many mysterious ways too sometimes. So what Tom and I will do now is to give you some of the other bands we listen to that we listen to because of Big Country. And that link could be very evident. It could be very, you know, you you might need us to explain why that link is there. Sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't. Uh, And I can just say for myself, when we started looking at this and other bands, because we all listen to all kinds of music. And if you look at the cross-section of big country fans, it's going to be all kinds of music, stuff that we don't have in common at all. And then there are some elements that perhaps we do have in common because they're more in key with big country music. So for me, my list is, uh, uh, and, and this is just my approach, Tom will, will explain his, if there is one, <laughs> afterwards. There is a list, but, but I don't know what explanation there is. No, I think for me it was more uh, what pulled me into big country from a musical perspective, which was the Celticness. The, the more folksy and dramatic and epic overtones of the music. And as those elements were toned down, uh, they, were, they would still be there, but I would start looking for them elsewhere. And so my lists are some of the bands that has some of those things in them. Uh, so that's more concrete on the music. And perhaps uh, in, with one example, actually, lyrics. So um, hopefully those are enough that they might be interesting for other people as well. Yeah, we're not going to dissect each band that we mentioned, but uh, we'll just mention a few bands that we that we like and that we kind of came to through some connection to Big Country. It doesn't have to be any kind of huge connection necessarily, but at least for me. But there's certainly, um, I mean, when I when I really got into Big Country, to be honest, I got into Big Country as a result of my love of U2. U2 was the first band of that ilk, I guess you could say, that that really kind of pulled me away from my metal love, which I've talked about in the past. And that kind of opened up a whole broad spectrum of different types of sounds and bands that I wanted to pursue. And Big Country was one of the first. But like you said, it was that big Celtic sound that that got me. And I think most people would relate to that who listen to this. But it was also the, as I was getting older, as I was becoming a teenager, it was also the the subject matter that they were singing about Mm -hmm. that I could relate to more and a more world conscious type of approach to lyrics and and 
personal issues as well approach to lyrics that I could relate to. So, yeah. So um, I look for I look for bands that had that Celtic feel, but even if they didn't have it as overtly as Big Country or some of these other bands, um, it, it could have been just a just that kind of big anthemic feel that I was going for. And um, I don't. Do you want, do you want me to start with a band or do you want do you want to go first? No, sure. You can start. Okay. Well. Um, this is kind of an obvious choice, but I guess one of the first uh, that I'll say here is Kate Bush. I still dream of I wake up crying. You're making rain, and you're just in Kate Bush, I really discovered her because of her appearance on The Seer. I knew who she was at that point. I'd heard of her, but I'd never listened really to anything that she'd done. And to be honest, I, even today, I'm not really a big fan of her first couple of albums. I, I, didn't, I never really liked the, the quality of her voice on those first couple of albums. It was too, a little too shrill for me, and the music was a little too um, Broadway show-like for me. But The Seer period, that for me, that's the perfect era of Kate Bush because her album The Hounds of Love had just come out and I went back and I found that album and actually the one that preceded that I think is great too which is called The Dreaming um, that's when my love of Kate Bush really starts from about that period of hers The Dreaming um, on up but discovering The Hounds of Love that that to me is probably a top five album and I know if anyone out there is looking for these lists, uh, I'll, I'll throw some bands out here that you, you've probably never heard of, but this is certainly one that most people would share. But, um, yeah, I just love the, the Celtic feel was very much there in, in her music, obviously, but it was not a guitar-driven thing. Clearly, it was more uh, keyboards and, and a lot of traditional Celtic instruments, too, on the Hounds of Love album. But mm. I just remember finding that album and just thinking, wow, where 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 has this been? And And it was such a perfect companion to my love of big country because it was singing about all these big themes and the hounds of love in particular was this half concept album that was so rich lyrically and when you think about it in a lot of ways i think the seer album even has a sound that really lends itself well to immediately following up with listening to hounds of love so i became a huge kate bush fan in a lot of respects thanks to her appearance on the seer and um that's been something that I've held on to ever since. I, I kind of—I don't think she's personally. I don't think she's ever scaled the heights of the Hounds of Love, but I think she's come close sometimes since then. But uh, hmm. we're talking about someone who's who's less productive than we are by far. Who puts out an album like every decade? <laughs> so uh, it's become like that. Yeah, hmm. but she's done a little bit better recently. Been out there touring, and I, I really wanted to talk about Kate Bush with Kirsten too because I know she's a huge huge fan. But anyway, so that that's one of mine. Kate Bush um, probably would not, maybe would have, but certainly not as quickly would I have discovered her and her music if it hadn't been for her appearance on the Seer album. And I know you're a big fan of hers too. Yeah, definitely. I um, 
I probably like the earlier stuff a little better than you do as well. I think that was actually my entry point, Wuthering Heights. That was the first song I heard. And I guess that was her first song, so that, that's not yeah. strange. Um, but the first video I saw was Running Up That Hill, when she yeah. stands in that attic and dances with that doofus guy. And I thought, this is too artsy for me. <laughs> so I had I had to get away from the videos to actually appreciate the music. If I looked just at Kate Bush, you didn't need anything else. That's what I was thinking. Uh, the videos, to me, <laughs> I enjoyed watching them for that very reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I probably think different now. But she was dancing with that doofus. Maybe I was <laughs> intensely jealous. Who knows? Well, the, Hound, the Hounds of Love video, I think, is one of my favorite videos, too. Oh, that uh, is great. And uh, Cloud Bursting, obviously, it's a mini-movie. She made a lot of those mini-movies. Yeah, she did. So uh, th- those, uh, those are some very innovative pieces of video making as well. So, yeah. No, she's a very creative artist, and it's easy to forget how popular she just was at the, the peak of the 80s when she was knocking Madonna off the top of the charts and really having a... She, she was a giant. And in the middle of that, she she actually appeared on Big Country's album. Yep. That's yep. Uh, that's amazing to think back of today, really. Yep. Yep. So I'll give one of mine, and uh, I'm kind of wondering where to start, but uh, I think I'll just start in Ireland. That's the band Horse Lips. Horse lips mean. The original name was uh, Horsemen of the Acopolypse, and that became shortened to Horse Lips. So you can describe how good a name that is, but uh, once you get used to a name, you don't think about it anymore. So I'm, I'm pretty used to it now. But they started in the very early 70s, and they disbanded in 1980, and they were sort of did nothing until in recent years they started touring again. And um, but they're not they're just touring at this point. They're not the recording band. So the seventies was really their decade. And they started out as a folk rock band, really just looking through books with traditional Irish music and pinching melodies and doing rock arrangements of them. And actually a lot of the people in the so called musical elite were furious with them. They said these guys are stealing <laughs> they're stealing our traditional songs and melodies and uh, making this kind of hopeless or obscene rock music version of it. And it wasn't popular at all with with those. But uh, they became widely popular. They were the first big band in in Ireland. And you'll have people like you too uh, praising them today and how important they were for them. And Ireland didn't have a lot of homegrown bands at the time. 
So they were huge there, and I think it slightly bled over to the rest of the UK and uh, others in, uh, I think, in 1976, when they released what I think is their best album, The Book of Invasions. I think that breached the top 40 in uh, England just barely. Uh, That is a concept album based on an adaptation of Irish legends built into a more complex story. So that's uh, the first of a trilogy, and that's about the hardships that uh, were faced back in the day in Ireland. And then you have one album called Aliens, which is about the people who left for better shores and moved over to America. And then you have the final part of the trilogy, which is the album The Man Who Built America. came out in 1978. I think that trilogy of albums is, is way up there in, in my own um, sort of list of, of albums I hold in a very high esteem. So... Uh, if, uh, if I can recommend you check out one album, I'd go to the Book of Invasions. of the Celticness. It's chock full of the rock, but obviously it's got a decade in the country and it's uh, Irish rather than Scottish, but I think that's close enough. So, nice. so I've, I've heard of them, but I've never really listened to much to them, so I have nothing to really add to that, except uh, the name The name you could take so many different ways, like the lips of a whore, right? I'm, I wonder if that was intentional. <laughs> yeah, or, or a horse. Or lips. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's. I've, I was actually recommended that band by uh, Stephen Bullman, who was uh, I well, well him. yeah, well esteemed member of the Big Country mailing list back in the nineties. So that's another Big Country link for me. He recommended uh, Horse Lips, and uh, I, I have to thank him because that's become one of my favorite bands. <laughs> and uh, nice. he also recommended another band to me, which I will speak about uh, a little further down my list. Very cool. All right. Well. I'll try to pick out a more obscure band from my list now. <laughs> um, and a relatively newer band here, too, which is a band called Isley. E-I-S-L-E-Y.
And they actually used to be called Moss Eisley when they first started, um, which is a reference to the, the Star Wars Cantina. But uh, uh, where, well, where the Star Wars Cantina was located in Moss Eisley Spaceport. But um, this is a very interesting band. They're made up of it's it's kind of a family band, which I usually am hesitant to to get into. It's like you know, like the Partridge Family type thing. But made up of of three sisters. Um, who front the band on guitar, keyboards, and uh, and the second guitar, and then I think a brother on drums, and I think their cousin plays bass for them. And they're all relatively young, as far as you know, from my perspective. I think they're in their early thirties now, but they started out when they were very young and put out hmm. some, what I think is some incredible, incredibly good music. That I, when I heard it, I just couldn't believe that they were so young. Some of the stuff that I heard. Um, but uh, the, the girls are the ones who front the band and they write the songs and really incredibly catchy, interesting songs. And very much, um, if, if, if I'm looking for a big country connection here, it's kind of the lyrics. Most of their lyrics are this kind of um, abstract, almost based in fairy tale type of things, uh, mythology. Um, definitely not your everyday run-of-the-mill type of lyrics. They on their later stuff, they do have some more of the traditional type of relationship stuff. But um, musically, their guitars have this really ethereal feel to it, and I just love them. They, they, I've never heard a band that sounds like them, and they're really, really an interesting kind of otherworldly feel to their music. Uh, if I could recommend one particular album as a starting point. It would be the album Room Noises, which came out a number of years ago. Hmm. And there's a particular, particularly great song on there called Marvelous Things, which I think is one of my favorite songs by them. Um, if you like that kind of ethereal guitar music that still has a rocky edge to it with lyrics that are about often about big subject matter and, and fantasy type of things, uh, you might be interested in this band. Still, still out there playing great live band too i've seen them once but uh very uh, very criminally underrated i'm i'm they're so talented i'm shocked really that they're not bigger than they are um the only thing that i can think of is that they're they they just don't have that kind of mainstream maybe appeal to their lyrics but beautiful voices great harmonies and uh i would recommend isley highly if you like that kind of fantasy type thing kind of the the way that big country may, used to make me feel that this big anthemic type of music hmm. uh, might, you might enjoy them yeah and I have not heard of them so I'm definitely taking note good good some of these bands deserve a wider audience. And uh, if any of you have heard about my next band, good on you. I'm impressed. Then my next band is Elevatia.
Ecclesia is a Swiss folk metal band from Zurich, and they were formed in uh, 2002. They've been active a fair number of years, and they have half a dozen studio albums, several EP and some live stuff out there, so they've, they've been active for a while. And they have six members, so they are able to cover a lot of instruments, and this is where what I really what lured me into them is their use of traditional instruments. So they would have bagpipes, there you have the, the hook there, you have flutes, you have the Ulian pipes, whistles, the bodrans, harp, hurdy-gurdy, which uh, the first time I heard of hurdy-gurdy, it was actually Jimmy Page used a hurdy-gurdy, I think. <laughs> but uh, it's actually a very folksy oh. instrument. Yeah. When the hurdy-gurdy man... <laughs> That's right. And you had the violin, the mandola, a lot of traditional instruments. And these are mixed up with heavy guitars and rock elements. They use a lot of vocal styles because they have songs that use male vocal and they have songs that use female vocal. And uh, the female vocal is probably what I would suspect most of our listeners would like because that is the more melodic, soaring uh, type vocal, whereas the male usually use the harsher vocals, typically found in extreme metal sort of the the growling and, and these things. They, they have that in some of their songs. They have the Cookie Monster vocals? They do. Wow. But they don't have cookies, so that uh, makes up for it. But uh, they, they are very interesting. And also the lyrics are often in the extinct ancient language, Gaulish. So uh, they, are, they definitely draw on a lot of folk-inspired uh, things, both uh, instrumentation-wise and, and themes and the lyrics. So uh, the, the name of the band... Uh, Eluvaitia. It's it's one of those names. How can you even dream of having an international breakthrough with a name like that? That most people say Elu what? It's it's probably too clever, but it's uh, it comes from graffiti on a vessel from Mantua about 300 years BC, where there was an inscription in Etruscan letters that read Eluvaitia, which uh, is a form of the Celtic Helvetios or the Helvetian, which refers to a man of Helvetian descent living in Manusia. So, uh, again, very thought out, very clever, perhaps too clever. But uh, we all like music from a man who often was very clever with his stuff. And I find a lot of this here. I find a lot of very windswept epicness. And I find a lot of uh, the traditional instrumentation. So, Eluvetia is a band that uh, is worth checking out, I think. Nice, nice. Cool, I'll check them out. Sounds interesting.
Okay, well, for me, uh, another one here for me, briefly, I'm going to go back into the past. A band, well, some of you, many of you might be aware of. Um, some of you might not. It's not a huge household name band, but it's called Husker Du. Look, I've tried to, to pick some more uh, current bands, and I've got maybe a couple who could be considered current, but I'm old. We're all we're old, and it gets harder and harder to pick current bands. But um, anyway, Husker Du is a punk band that came out of Minneapolis, and probably the most famous member of that band is Bob Mould. Hmm. Um, Bob Mould has gone on to have a long solo career releasing really good stuff, I think, um, I'm hit and miss, to be honest, with some of his solo stuff over the last decade or so, but he's still a great artist worth seeing. And, and funnily enough, one of my best friends uh, is his bass player uh, now, and it has been for like the last 10 years. Um, it's kind of a funny story. He was a, this guy, his name is Jason Narducci. He was a good friend of mine in college, and he was a huge big country fan and Husker Du or Bob Mould fan, and that's how we met. And he was jealous of me at one point because I had seen Bob Mould play live. <laughs> and he, he was as, as obsessed with Bob Mould probably as I and you and uh, us are obsessed with big country. So wow. long story short, he ended up meeting Bob Mould. Um, he was a musician himself and kind of figured a work, worked away, worked his way into his inner circle, I guess you could say. And long story short, he had a band that Bob Mould produced um, didn't quite work out for him, but he's since become Bob Mould's bass player, so he's the bass player in Bob Mould's band. But anyway, Bob Mould is probably the main reason that I liked Husker Du. The, one of the things, getting to a big country connection, the, clearly the thing, the big thing about big country for many of us was the guitar, and I'd never really heard guitar playing that sounded like that. And even when I discovered the skids after loving big country, it, it gave me a better feel for just Stewart's playing alones. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I, I almost prefer the way that sounded, the skid stuff, in, in some ways, because it was so so biting and in your face with that one guitar, and, and that one guitar was doing so much. And Husker Du had that sound. They, were, they weren't a Celtic sound, but Bob Mould is just one of the most innovative, great guitar players. And if you go back to one of their albums, probably their, their most popular album is called Zen Arcade. And it was a double album that they recorded in maybe like uh, three or four days. And 
it's just an intense punk barrage, but it's very, very melodic. And in that band, there were two songwriters, Bob Mould, the guitar player, and Grant Hart, the drummer. And both of their styles were very, very different. Um, I like both of them, but Bob Mould was the more melodic, guitar-driven stuff. And he would do things kind of that, that were similar to what Stewart did, where he had a lot of droning strings, and his guitar sounded like a big wall of of sound, but it was but it was also very melodic, um, a lot heavier than the big country sound, but it, it just had a, it was punk, but it had that anthemic feel to it. So Husker Du was a really big influence on me and my own guitar playing and my own um, interests. And if I could recommend an album, I've already said it would be Zen Arcade. I think that's a masterpiece, classic mm-hmm. album. And the song from there that I would recommend listening to uh, first, if you have, if you want to wade your, your, dip your toes in the water there would be a song called Chartered, Chartered Trips, um, a Bob Mould song that I think showcases his guitar playing and what I'm talking about really well. So I was really getting into a lot of punk music back at that time, back in the 80s, too, um, shortly after discovering Big Country. And, and they were one of those bands that was punk, but they weren't stupid, dumb punk, if that makes sense. Their, their lyrics were very, very strong, um, intense. Their music was intense. And it wasn't just like you know, stupid stuff. It was it was intense, played fast, played hard, and um, great music. So, Husker Du, that would be one of my one of my picks that many of you probably know, but many of you might not. So, if you if you have an inkling, check it out. I think it's one of those bands that a lot of people would know the name, but maybe not know the music. Yeah, probably right. And that's definitely the case for me. So uh, I'll dip my toe. I'll, right. ta- I'll take your recommendation. Oh. Uh, all right. So how to proceed? I think I'll go with my... I said I had one more recommendation from the legendary Stephen Bullman. And uh, so I'm going to my only straight English pick in this list, which is uh, an old band at this point. They were founded in the 60s. They're still out there. I'm talking about the English folk slash folk rock slash prog band Straubs. is uh, kind of difficult to describe because their career has changed so much over the years. When they started in the 60s, they were almost a straight folk band. They were like this trio playing with guitars and singing harmonies and in folk pubs and clubs. 
And back in those days, they actually met uh, Sandy Denny, who later became known from uh, Fairport Convention, and she joined the band for a while. And when she moved on to, to join Fairport, uh, Straub's kind of grew to fill in the gaps, and they added more instruments, and they moved more towards a rock expression, so they became more folk rock. And uh, somewhere down the line, Rick Wakeman, who later moved on to Yes, joined them for a while for a couple albums. So th- they're also this factory who has brought artists up that uh, had gone on to other and greater things. But uh, they, their musical expression has kept changing, adding more rock instruments. And for a while during the 70s, there were almost this straight, hard-edged rock band and prog rock band still with the folk sensibilities. So it's been very interesting to, to see how they move. So uh, one of the things that drew me into them is the lyrics, for one thing. I think David Cousins, who writes the lyrics for Straubs, is the only guy I would put up there on par with Stuart Adamson. I think those are my clearly my two favorite lyric writers, and I don't even know who number three is. I, I can mention a lot of bands who have great lyrics, but those are the two for me that kind of stand alone. So, um, very, very uh, interesting stuff. I mean, when he was 19, he wrote a song called Off Growing Old. <laughs> that's That says all <laughs> about his mindset. He's really um, been kind of an old soul in a young body. And it's uh, very interesting observations about stuff and writes about stuff that really matters. But also about uh, some songs are very ethereal and kind of dramatic on the level that big country songs like The Storm they have an unease like Lost Patrol this uneasy feeling of something happening, something going down you find that in some of the Strobes albums I dropped down in the witch one to see what I could find the trees are taking time out But the music it was making was nothing of my choice uh, And at the same time, later on, you have the more proggy element, which still has that folksy element. So I, I don't know how to really... Uh, you know, for such a rich career and so many albums. I mean, they have some 30-odd albums, but they their star period were probably 1970 to 74. Those, those were the peak years. And then you have lots of individual gems here and there. A very uniqueness, since it started out as a straight folk band and then kept adding and kept changing without really losing its identity. So that uh, that really attracts me to them.
check them out, definitely. Look forward to hearing the snippet. Yes. It hasn't been already played by the time you're listening to it. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear it back when you get the episode. All right, well, I'll pick another uh, female-fronted band here. I, I really like female-fronted bands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got an affinity for them. Yeah, like Kiss and Big Country and Husker <laughs> right. and I know, but like Blondie and... Uh, well, Susie and the Banshees, which is one that I w- certainly could mention and was going to, but I'm going to mention this band instead right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a band, a much more, a much newer band, but uh, you probably might have heard of them. I'm sure you've heard some of the music of the singer, whose, whose name is Karen O. But the band is called Yeah Yeah Yeahs. by a singer named Karen O. Um, two other guys in the band. It's a three-piece band. Occasionally they have a keyboard person on stage. But again, what really drew me to this band was they they have a punk feel and aesthetic. When they first came out, they were more of a punk type of band. Um, but again, really interesting abstract lyrics. Um, and they had an anthemic quality to them that you don't always hear in punkish type of music and they this is a band that really hit their stride on their second album um with a song called maps and if you've ever heard the song maps you you will well obviously know what i'm talking about but if you listen to that song there are there are plenty of guitar lines that sound like, like they could have come right out of the skids It's a it's a beautiful, haunting song lyrically. It's the the lyrics are take me back to the to the original big country types of lyrics where they're very abstract. It's hard to understand what the song is about, and yet it has this, at least for me, it has this this emotional connection that really just touches you really deeply. that got me into this band and um, really great live band too a really uh, great performer uh, Karen O is and really just really beautiful interesting songs and and innovative in a lot of ways too Um, she's not the greatest singer in the world but she kind of makes up for it with her approach and her intensity and her sincerity but and cuteness 
Yeah, well, yeah, she's she is kind of, but uh, she's got an odd look about her. I, I, <laughs> I go back and forth. It's like, yeah. It's I say like, that not knowing how she looks at all, by the way. But <laughs> oh, really? Okay, all right. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of her confidence and her, uh, her. She has a lot of confidence and charisma that I think, um, yeah, really works in her favor. But uh, yeah, and she's she's got a, a really fiery and fierce uh, stage presence as well unfortunately mm. for them they had a song that they released which i loved uh years ago well not years ago maybe like six or seven years ago called isis <laughs> so I, mean, I don't think they can play that song anymore sadly <laughs> um, or at least uh, the, the one good thing about the song is that is that the word isis was never said in the in the song but it was called isis um i got the feeling that it was uh about the egyptian god named isis but uh mm. yeah, it's Kind of a bad name to have around associated with your band these days. Yeah. But anyway, really good band, and she's been doing a lot of solo stuff for the past couple of years. And I don't even know if the band still exists. Um, but if you're not aware of them, check out the song Maps, and that will probably at least at least give you a sense of what I'm talking about as far as a big country type of connection. Maybe it's tenuous in some respects, but. That song, I think you'll hear a lot of stuff on there that that will tell you that that had to be some sort of influence for their guitar player, who I think is is really quite good. Um, so check them out. Okay, so the next one on my list, and just to be clear, I don't think these are in any sort of special order for either one of us. This is not a ranked list. These are just five artists. I guess I'm not mistaken in saying that. Right. Yeah. So so my next one, I have two Scottish ones left, by the way. And uh, th the next one, I kind of went back and forth on it because it's not necessarily a stellar band in my personal sort of thing, but... Uh, there are some stellar albums within what is otherwise a sort of okay band, and I'm talking about Runrig. Everybody knows about Runrig, that other Scottish band. Uh, they have a lot of good albums. They have a lot of okay albums. Uh, a good Runrig album is always a good investment. But in my book, they have three great albums. So I'm going to talk about the three great albums. I think if you're going to investigate and explore this band, these are the albums you should have and you should uh, primarily be listening to before you get to anywhere else. So... I'll start with the third one, which is uh, Runrig Plays Gaelic. That is their debut album. It came out in 1978. And like the title says, they play Gaelic. They sing all Gaelic on this album, all Gaelic lyrics. And this is very interesting as it's uh, primarily an acoustic album. They all play acoustic instruments. It's very mellow, very folksy, uh, but quite beautiful. They, they never had 
I think, better harmonies. They never had more, you know, pure melody than on this album. So that was one that um, I got to late. And it doesn't sound like anything what they became. So if you never heard it, that's uh, an interesting one to pick up on. But really, the two I have left are the best by far. And uh, my second favorite is one called The Cutter and the Clan, which oh, yeah. came which came out in 1987. That is a great album. That is one of the truly great Rundrig albums. And it's got all the great songs on it, Hearts of Old and Glory, uh, Protect and Survive. I mean, I, you can go down. This This is a great album. And this is probably the most, I would say, big country-esque album. But don't, don't, please don't play it expecting big country music. But it's uh, it's a very strong album, and primarily the quality of the songwriting is, uh, I think, at their best on this album. They have the best songs. The reason why I still hold one album higher is that it might have less of an edge. Uh, in fact, it does have less of an edge. It has the best songs. But the album I like the best is The Highland Connection from 1979. And what a change that was from Place Gaelic. And, uh, the Highland Connection is their second album. And this is almost like a straight hard rock or Celtic folk rock album. This is their their hardest album. They, they rock the most on, on that album. So the edges there, it really sounds cutting edge. It sounds like no other Runrig album. If you've never checked out The Highland Connection, go to it. Because that has uh, the attitude and it's got, it's got the drive, and that is the raw, uh, run the rock band. <laughs> So, uh, so really, my motivation for for bringing up Run Rig—they're not a stellar band for me, but they have some stellar albums. So, I I want to make sure that everybody has what I call the right albums, and that would be this trio of Place Gaelic, The Cutter and the Clan, and The Highland Connection. You can't go wrong with those. So that's why I sort of said, okay, I'll put Run Rig on my list. That other Scottish band, and if you go with these albums, that's uh, actually well worth it. Nice. I used to have the color in the clan. That is a great album. I, I, I really tried to get into Run Rig more um, years ago, and I just never could quite do it. But I, I don't think I've heard the Highland Connection before. Um, I'll go back and check that out. But I do remember the color and color in the clan had some mm. great songs on it. Great, great um, songs. And like I said, the only thing you can sort of hold against it is they they might you can kind of hear they were going into more mellow <laughs> sort of back into the good to okay type albums but the songwriting on Cutter and the Clan is kind of unsurpassed and I, I would I would even put that above the Highland Connection in terms of pure song craft but the delivery is there in force on the Highland Connection and that always wins me over <laughs>
Awesome. All right. Well, I got one more here that I'll mention. I could go on and on, but um, I'll mention a band that's maybe maybe the connection will seem te- very tenuous to big country, but I'll try to make it fit. <laughs> and that's a band that is no more, but a band that I really, really just love and that that has a real emotional connection to me from a different place than big country. I guess it's more of like just the it just awakens the the raw aggression <laughs> in me. Cool. Um, and that is Rage Against the Machine. Obviously, we, we know that Big Country's guitars have always been said to sound like bagpipes, and it sounds like maybe what Highlanders would have sounded like if you put uh, guitar electric guitars around their necks, and as they came down from the hills to, to do battle, that they would sound like Big Country music, at least the early Big Country music. Um, not, not Eggplant, necessarily. But um, Rage Against the Machine always struck me as what Native American Indians would have sounded like if they had electric guitars <laughs> and i think i've mentioned before on the show how i was always obsessed from a young age with american indians and it's i don't think it's intentional on rage against the machines part but from the from the first moment i heard them their their riffs just had this feeling of of an indian war party almost and that really got to me and yeah. um and the lyrics uh, i'm a huge clash fan that's probably my favorite second favorite band of all time and Rage Against the Machine always struck me as kind of a, a more modern version of the Clash. They were they were Rage Against the Machine is far less um, innovative regarding the Clash because pretty much all of their music has a very similar sound to it. Um, whereas the Clash were a lot more experimental, but mm-hmm. they were a very political band, as most people probably already know i don't necessarily agree with all their politics um sometimes they may maybe go a little too far in some of those aspects but just the the passion and and sheer i I don't know just the intensity of their delivery especially their singer zach de la rocha um always just just did it for me I, i saw the band live years ago and it was almost like an out-of-body experience <laughs> i'm usually not one i'm not one to to jump around in a concert and if if i if i am i need to be pushed like cj did to me at the uh big country show we happened to see together where she she got me and a bunch of other people to start pogoing up and down almost get thrown out of the place but um this was in an all-seated venue but at the rage against the machine show that i saw it it was completely just insane i mean there's something about that band's music that just uh hit some chord in me that it's it's the perfect uh, workout music it's it's just the perfect music to kind of vent your anger and i don't know i i, I just love the the way that they play tom morello is one of a 
I think one of the most innovative modern guitarists out there. He, he plays some incredible stuff and makes some incredible sounds with his guitar that um, just when I thought that we'd heard probably everything that could be done with a guitar, he kind of took that into a whole new new area. Um, I'm not a huge rap fan, and yet the lyrics for most of these songs are delivered in that kind of rap way, but it's to the backdrop of just huge big guitars and drums and more of a I guess it's a lot more hard rock metal type of sound in some ways but uh, yeah I just love the anger and aggression of this band and just that tribal type of feel that I, I think that's the connection to big country in a way it's like it, it just has this gigantic tribal feel to it and it's a different tribe but it's that same idea I guess of, of mm-hmm. just this kind of going to war music which I, I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to put it but no I know what you mean though and yeah. uh, and I think um, I think this pick uh, is is definitely one I think most people our age plus minus would know about you know everybody knows about Rage Against the Machine and uh, I definitely know what you mean about the tribalness and I think you know I, I hear it too not necessarily I don't think I would think of big country but I, I, it makes sense what you're saying as far as right. describing it that way. Right. And if you only listen to one song by them, listen to the live version of a song called Freedom, and especially the end, uh, the last maybe minute and a half. It's just so friggin' powerful. <laughs> it's just it, it, it gives me goosebumps every time. that I toss into the ring here um, to go on and on about other bands, but what's your fifth? It's kind of frustrating to limit yourself to five, isn't it? I know. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> I'll get to my fifth. Uh, like I said before, I had only Scottish bands left, so I thought uh, I'll save something more light-hearted towards the end, um, as far as at least lyrical themes and uh, more in terms of more music being fun and not necessarily meaning the deep messages. So my fifth pick is a band called Ailstorm.
they're a Scottish band. They hail from Perth. They've been active for either slightly more or slightly less than 10 years, depending on how you see it. They were formed in 2004 under the name Battleheart, but were later signed by Napalm Records in 2007 and then renamed themselves Alestorm. So as Alestorm, it's about 8 years, otherwise it's 11 or nearly 12 years. I like I Battle. It's a cool name. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It, they, it, uh, both uh, Battleheart and Alestorm are kind of indicative of, of the style of music they've kept playing uh, because they play a combination of styles of metal, really. But they're classified as folk metal or power metal However, their music is characterized by a strong nautical theme, and more specifically, pirate themes. So this uh, is a band that present themselves really as modern-day pirates, and they totally play it up. They, re- they refer to themselves as true Scottish pirate metal. <laughs> so they are identifiable by the pirate-themed lyrics in their songs, and also uh, very folksy uh musical delivery which uh, again uh, they're Scottish they play into their sort of heritage there so they they come from the same place as a certain other band we're usually talking about uh, the 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 singer is a real personality and sometimes he sounds like uh, Shane McGowan in his delivery almost <laughs> my friends I stand before you to tell the truth most dire there lurks a traitor in our midst Who has invoked the captain's ire Don't deserve no mercy We are to shoot him with a gun But I am not an evil man Don't us, let's have a little fun We'll tie that scoundrel to a rope And throw him overboard Strap him underneath the ship A terrifying deadly trip Which fits kind of like the pirate uh, band singing songs about drinking and uh, and pillaging and not so much raping because they always have wenches around for some reason who are happy to be there. If you watch <laughs> if you watch their music videos on YouTube, they have incredible high production value, and they are so funny. So that's uh, they well worth actually looking just for the entertainment value. But their music really utilizes the uh, an upbeat style, the upbeat style of of power metal with many orchestrations commonly found in traditional music and folk rock and folk metal and uh, they would u- the songs would usually have a pirate sea shanty feel uh, they use a lot of accordion synths <laughs> to great comical <laughs> and, and fun effect so they have songs like keel hauled or one song I particularly like which is called the sunken Norwegian uh, so I'll play a bit of that
so they, they use a lot of things to to convey a pirate feel so they're definitely light-hearted but uh, they they know how to play and the, the uh, arrangements are really intricate and they're also known to experiment with a bit of different genres so i think they are a load of fun and they're scottish can't be wrong <laughs> so um I'm looking at their webpage right now. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then you'll see. See, they have one song that's just called Rum. Yes. <laughs> Which is about how if you want a drink, don't come with no gin or no whiskey. That's wrong. The only, there's only one true drink, and that's rum. I thought it was so, cold gin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> they use a factor of amusement, really, to their advantage. This is the, the Jack Sparrow of pirates. It's, it's kind of like the lovable rascal. That's what they are. They're, they're kind of the lovable rascal pirates. And Death they, Rose of the Terror Squid. <laughs> yep. That's an excellent video. It's a fantastic production quality. It looks like a big-budget movie, actually. Which, uh, which, which I don't know how that band can, can get that kind of funding behind them, but uh, it's, it's, it's tremendous. And they use factors of absurdity, kind of like that song title, to bring, again, a jocular feel to their music. So, Ailstorm, it's well worth checking out. If you want um, to find the meaning of life, you won't find it in an Ailstorm lyric, but you definitely will find uh, a lot of fun. (laughs) Very good. Well, that was cool. That's that was fun to throw some bands out there, and uh, there are many more we could have said, but so many of them on my list. Everyone already knows, but oh gosh, uh, so yes. I try to I try to get some that are maybe lesser known. You might like them, you might hate all of them, but some people have asked us in the past to list some other bands that we like outside of big country. So there are a few. There are many, and uh, I try to go by by this. I guess we both tried to to come up with something that had some sort of big country link. And we try to explain what that link is, and yeah. uh, and in the hopes that perhaps then we hit something that more people would perhaps appreciate. Yeah. So so these are ten bands, our collective ten bands. If you can't find a single one in there that you like, then probably you need to get your advice elsewhere. Yes, and and let me mention this too that there are I mentioned this before on the show there are there are bands and artists uh, on our very page, the Great Divide Facebook, who who um page who are putting out great music and. One band that I really love is a band called Metals, who's uh, fronted by J.P. Reed, who's done a lot of stuff in the past. Um, great, great album that came out a couple years ago, and I think he's re-recorded uh, certain songs from it in a different way recently. Check out Metals if you get a chance. There's a band called Echo Park that's been doing stuff. Uh, my friend Jason Allen has just released a great new album that we talked about before that's, um, I think, really good. And There's all kinds of great independent music out there, too, so... You know, I, I will always keep mentioning them. Uh, if, if you're a member of our page and you're in a band and have something you want mentioned, let me know and I'll, I'll post it on there. It's great to promote you guys and give give some of those guys a chance too because uh, a lot of it is really worth picking up and, and really well produced and great music. So check out from our own, um, drink from our own fountain, I guess, our own well sometimes. <laughs> there are a lot of big country fans who are producing music and yeah. might like it. Yeah, definitely. Hello everybody, this is Kara from New Jersey. I'm currently in the middle of finals week at my university, so as one can gather, I'm having a fantastic time. But really, I'm doing okay. 
What I'd like to see from the band in the coming year is another American tour. I saw them in 2013, uh, that's spring-summer tour, I saw them in New York, and I'd love to see them again. I have dreams about, I go on the internet, and I see that big country is touring again in America. And then I wake up, and I'm sorely disappointed. So that's all I'd really like to see. Hope everybody has a great holiday. Stay alive. Okay, so now we are coming to the final portion of our show, and that is the listener questions that have been submitted to us this year for this Yuletide. As Fine as mentioned, we don't have as many this year, and I know we kind of threw this at you guys on short notice, but we've got a few good ones, and it works out because we don't have a lot of time left on the show anyway. So, Svein, what do you say we get to some of these? Um, do you want to pick the first one? And throw it out there? Yeah, I think we'll just go through the Facebook page. I asked people to just enter stuff on the page for us, so we'll go down there. And, do I, and, I, and at the end, we have some uh, questions. We asked them, you know, if you want to ask Tom a question, send it to me, and I'll ambush him. And likewise, if you want to ask me something, send it to Tom, and he'll return the favor. So we'll do cool. those last. We'll build up to those, I think. So we'll start with the first one on the Facebook uh, thread, which is a question from Abner Devereaux, our mad scientist in Canada. Magic Mountain, Canada. I don't know how that works out. But uh, he asked, what do you want to see Big Country do in 2016? And what do you think Big Country will actually do in 2016? So the question kind of assumes that there will be a difference. Mm. And, I, and I think that is a correct assumption. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we kind of talked about this already. So new music is, is top of my list always. Uh, yeah. I, I want new music from the band. I think they're fully capable. Uh, hopefully the band will normalize as far as bass players and we kind of have indications that they will so that should come in place and hopefully an album could follow and we yes. know that there's a Seer tour and beyond that I don't know if I have hopes or, or things, dreams or anything else that is likely to happen yeah uh, uh, what I think they will actually do is what they've already pretty much outlined they're going to do the Seer tour they're going to keep playing live they're, I think uh, Scott Whitley is going to probably feature very prominently in the band, who I think is is a great new bass player. We'll see if he becomes the official constant bass player or not. By the way, if you haven't checked out his... Um, I posted this on our site, another benefit of being a member of our site. If you haven't seen Scott Whitley's version of the Flame of the West bass line, check that out, because he plays the entire bass line um, and, on video, and you follow along with him as he's playing along to the album, and it's very prominent, obviously, in the mix, and it's just incredible. Both, both it's incredible because it lets you know how great that Tony baseline was, and uh, as my friend Jason Allen said, it also lets you know how great of a, of a musician uh, Scott Whitley is, or I think it's Whitley. Yeah. Um, so Millar. check that out. Yes, yes, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's really, it's really great to see. But anyway, as far as big country, um, what I want them to do, yeah, uh, the obvious answer is I want to see new music. Whether that's going to happen in 2016, I don't know. Maybe we'll at least get a song or two that they'll put out. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I want them to be to be uh, to be a, a self-contained unit where they're collaborating and and releasing possibly some stuff and and uh, writing some new tunes. I would really like to see that. So. See. One thing I would hope for is perhaps for them to, to come over to Norway. Which, uh, incidentally, the guy who used to be in Big Country is playing Norway tonight. And is yesterday, he really? Mike Peters is over again. I think this, wow. is, this is the fourth time since he left Big Country that he's been in Norway touring. And Are you he goes, going? Uh, it's the other side of the country. 
so uh, not this time, but I've seen him a couple times. So, you know, he, he knows the way. You know, ask him, ask him for directions if you need it. <laughs> and the other thing I want to see them do, by the way, is promote the release of the um, Seer Robin Miller version. Wouldn't that be something? Yes. How, we'll how could we forget that? Good, good, good catch. No, we, we want to get that. We want to get the 30th anniversary version of, uh, of the Seer with the Miller mix or just a mix on its own. Yes. Yes. I'll take it any way I can get it. Perhaps that would even surpass my wishes for new music. That, that might for me, too, to be honest with you. That, that I, I want to hear most, more than anything right now. Yeah. Not that that diminishes my, my desire for new music, but that's just how, how highly I want that yes. <laughs> to be there. Yes. All right. Do you have another one? Yeah. Here's one from our good friend C.J. Wade. And she asks, how do you guys manage without me? Uh, well, we, we don't. I don't know how we manage without CJ. No. Um, but we, we know she's always there, and that's, that's helpful to us. We know she's there lurking, um, imbibing, yeah. uh, waiting for her moment Quipping. to strike. Because her, her moments are very, very uh, potent, so it's almost good to have them come every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, and now she gave us this question, so we actually aren't totally without her. We'll have CJ on again. In the meantime, we'll just have to try to manage without both her and Arlen, but we'll, we'll do our best. Yeah. Hello, everybody out there in big country land. This is John Lewis in Sacramento, California, saying happy holidays. Jackson, what do we say? Stay alive. Uh, one from Nuren Peterson. Seeing that you have both done big country covers, have you considered collaborating? The easy... We collaborate every 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 episode, <laughs> <laughs> but as far as music, no. The, the easy answer is no. We haven't considered it, or at least we haven't talked about it. Well, let's do it right now. Let's do a let's do a song together right now. Uh, look away. No. Or, or leap of faith. Okay. I can do leap. Of faith. Yeah, we can do that. All right. Ready. Well, chorus. You you do the singing lady parts. No. Leap of faith. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, yeah. faith. I know you have the strength in you. Love I know. Make that leap of faith. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do the Gene Simmons version. <laughs> the leap. Yeah, I set you up there. All right. Well, there's our collaboration. Yeah, I think um, I think we will get no more questions about that. <laughs> uh, funny. All right, here's here's Lee Waterton. He says, you can borrow the TARDIS for a day. What part of BC history that you missed do you go back to witness? Oh. I'll let you go first because I have to think. Yeah, because I was thinking if it has to be BC history, then you know, if it could be anything, I'm not sure if it even would be BC <laughs> because <laughs> there are so many good things that uh, I'd like to see. But, yeah. Right. It's, what? The, it's the big country TARDIS. Definitely. No, I don't know. I guess that would have to be a classic show, because what else would there be? Um, I want to see the moment that Pat Ahern played his first uh, notes on the drums with the band. Live? Yes, live. Yeah, I assume this is, you know, we, we can travel to somewhere, but that doesn't mean we, we get behind the scenes or see all the good stuff, so it has to be a public event. 
I, I think it could be anything. Yeah. Okay, so if this is just can we be a fly on the wall for any old thing, then I want to see the first time Tony and Mark played with uh, Stuart and Bruce. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I want to be in that room. Yeah. If I could see that, that would be awesome. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, if it has to be a show, then it would be one on the Steel Town tour, the two-month tour they did for Steel Town. Yeah. I guess we talked about that before, too. Like yeah. The show would be a love to have seen. So, yeah. My... my uh, Mine would mimic yours. My choices would mimic yours there, definitely. Mm. We would probably, with our luck, bump into each other. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, so you took the TARDIS here too, huh? <laughs> 1,000 show and you picked the same one as me. Damn TARDIS. Ah, yeah. Hey, this is Arlen in D.C. Just wanted to wish everyone in Great Divide Nation a happy holiday and a great 2016 filled with new B.C. music and live shows and hopefully some new podcasts from Tom and Spine as well. And for us, fine. Now, your rants are good. I'd even say very good. But they do have a ways to go before they match the greatest Norwegian rant of all time. How about you, fine? Lord Nelson! Lord Beaverbrook, Sir Winston Churchill, Sir Anthony Eden, Clement Attlee, Henry Cooper, Lady Diana, they have slot them all the summon, they have slot them all the summon, Maggie Thatcher, can you hear me? Maggie Thatcher, they are a foodscap till they meet in the whole company, they are a foodscap till they, they have slot England out of Verdens Mesterskap in football. Maggie Thatcher, om de, som de säger på ditt språk i boxbarnen runt Madison Square Garden i New York. Your boys took a hell of a beating. Your boys took a hell of a beating. För Maggie Thatcher, Norge har slått England i fotboll. Det är bäst i världen. All right, so we have one from uh, Nick Kashovitz. Uh, with the recent release of the Skids Virgin Year 6 CD box set, do you guys think you'll do a podcast covering the Skids at some point? If not, what is your favorite Skids album? Uh, Ooh, first yes. first of all, that is a fantastic box set, and we haven't really mentioned it on this show. Uh, get it if you haven't got it. That is uh, nice. You don't have it? Not yet. I need oh. to get it. Yeah, I have it. It's uh, It's really everything you know every album it's it's even got the two different versions of days in europa it's very um you know the, the black sleeve and the original orange athletic sleeve with the two different mixes there mm. and you get joy on cd which has been hard to find before and you get uh, the bbc sessions the peel sessions you get really everything there and loads of bonus tracks on each one so you get everything you want there and i actually got another set at the same time, which is another box set called uh, the Singles Collection. That came out a couple years ago, but uh, they are the same type of box sets. So if you have those, then you really have everything you need as far as uh, skids. All your needs are covered. So uh, do we think we'll do a podcast? I think we will, yes. I think we've talked about this in the past. Yeah, Um, we have. We'll do a Skids podcast. I, I've got some ideas for maybe some people we can contact to help us on the show. I mean, I, I didn't even know the Skids existed until probably 1986. Um, being a, being an American, they weren't popular here at all. Um, 
I discovered Big Country. That was the first time that I knew about Stuart Adams, and I didn't know what his past was. And I, I remember hearing, finally, that he had been in this band called The Skids, and I desperately wanted to hear them. And when, when I discovered them, there was another great love. I could have mentioned them on my list, but that would have been too obvious. Um, so, yeah, I, I love The Skids, and I, I love uh, his favorite Skids album probably is Absolute Game, I guess, would I would have to say. Um, and as I've said before, I think sometimes some of the Skid stuff showcases some of Stewart's best guitar work ever, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, there's there's kind of a quality to his guitar being mm. the only guitar on in this band that gives it more of a uh, more of an immediacy type of feel and more of an intensity. And I remember Jim Kerr talking about Stewart's guitar sounding like a laser, and which I thought was just a brilliant way to describe it. And I, he was talking about the skids. And um, mm. I, I think that's the way to put it, too. He, Stewart's, Stewart's guitar was just like a laser, almost, <laughs> in that band. It was it was like a snake biting a cobra. <laughs> and uh, I love it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the skids at some point. That's, that's going to be something we have to have to work up to, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, we, I think we'll do that. Yeah. We kind of pushed to do more side projects uh, for a while. And the Tony album thing we did this last year is really the first time we dipped into a side project. So yeah. there will be more side projects, and we can't really uh, get beyond skids. I think primarily my concern is, like you said, we need to get some people on to help us because I know the basics, but I, you know, I it's not like I know as much about them as I do big country. Right. So uh, I can do some album discussions and stuff like that, but once we start discussing the band and their history, definitely I I am more basic in my knowledge than probably a lot of the guys who follow them since uh, the beginning and probably got to big country through first liking skids. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my only concern, but I uh, I'd, I'd love to. I think so. I think it will be great. We have one right. that Kenny Henderson asks us. What has been each of your favorite album of the year? Mm. Uh, this is this one's hard for me because I I don't think I've gotten a lot of new music this year. Um, <laughs> my self-serving answer would of course be my own. Because I, because I put so much work into that, and it was great to finally see it finished. Yeah. Um, but my favorite album, the fact that nothing is hitting me immediately, I guess, says all there is to say. Um, a lot of the stuff that I've probably purchased this year has been older stuff that I've rebought in different formats or gone back to. Um, man, you take it. Then maybe I'll come up with something in the meantime. I want to mention one thing, and they didn't release an album this year, but the band I discovered in 2015 that I'm just such a big fan of is uh, a Swedish band called Sister Sin. I have to mention them. So their most recent album came out last year, 2014, but I have to give them the nod because I got all their album this year. So they're the band of the year to me, if I can answer in that way. Uh, a great, great uh, band. Of course, they play harder stuff. Uh, female fronted, lots of attitude, lots of great, great hooks going back to the 80s, but with a modern sort of sound. Uh, the thing that bummed me out, I think th this is a little story. There, w there was a Saturday, we were going out, lots of errands a couple of months ago. Uh, checked the mail before we went out, and that was actually one of their CDs that I'd ordered that got, oh, great. So we put it in the car do lots of errands the entire day, play that CD, coming home. Yeah, I'm so glad I found this band, and I finally sit down by my computer. 
And the first thing I see on my Facebook feed is an announcement from Sister Sin that unfortunately on this very day we have broken up. And oh, I just no. go and I just go, What? What the heck? How can you do that? I just found you. you no, no. Uh so uh <laughs> since then it's come to light that all members of the band were not necessarily um, keen to split up. It might have been one, so I think they will come back in some form. But the uh, Sister Sin is the band of the year for me. I, I, I that that a new discovery. I love them to bits. And if I can quickly just mention three or four albums that actually came out in 2015, I would mention um, Aha came out with a new album called Cast in Steel, which I don't think is their best album ever, but it's still a pretty good album. And uh, this has really been the year of Aha, because in addition to a comeback and a new album, they actually got the same treatment that Big Country got a couple of years ago with deluxe edition, two CD and three CD in some cases, versions of each of their classic albums. And uh, in the case of uh, Hunting High and Low, their debut album, they actually came with a box set, four CD and DVD and a book. So uh, Aha is another one. I've sort of caught up on all those reissues, so they've been sort of there. And apart from that, Iron Maiden came with a great album this year, one of their best in many, many years. Um, I really like the new Nightwish album. Uh, just to show an old fart can still do it, Keith Richards' new album is actually pretty cool, pretty fun. I haven't listened to that yet. Yeah, Cross-Eyed Heart. It's it's nice. It's more Keith the Bluesman, but that's uh, pretty good. And I want to just give a, a last mention to a new band I discovered from Canada called Unleash the Archers, which is another female fronted uh, rock band. Great, great band that I discovered this year. So I like them a lot, but not as much as I like Sister Sin. So that's my big discovery and my big grief, <laughs> discovering that they broke up literally as I sort of found a new band that is great for me personally. <laughs> that's great. That's good. Well, I hope they get back together for you. I hope so. Yeah, you're clearly more uh, more proactive in listening to, m- to new music and stuff than I've been this year. So let me let me just say, uh, make a choice here. I would, I would say Kirsten Adamson's album. Um I think it's a, a really strong album. I really have enjoyed it. It's really interesting and unique, and it's not for everyone. I know there are people who have said they're not sure about it. Um, maybe our show helped you uh, make up your mind completely about it, but I really like it quite a bit. So I would pick that. Let me pick that one as my album of the year. Okay, so we've got now another question um, from Andrew Braidwood. Have it, you, you bastard. <laughs> a very special Christmas have at you to Tom and Svein thanks for bringing us the Great Divide podcast thanks for bringing us uh, just just when old guys like me um, think that they know everything about big country and uh, you, you come up with new stuff and it's brilliant to hear and I really enjoyed the Kirsten Adamson one and um Particularly the Mark, Mark Brzecki one um, was fab and I got to meet him this year as well and he is such a nice guy if anyone gets a chance to see the band or hang about or, or try and get to meet them. Um, they, they are uh, as nice as they seem. Um, so uh, yeah, so that was my year. Our band, our, our little band here in Braemar in the in the uh, Cairngorms in Scotland got to play support for Big Country when they came to play in Braemar and it was a fab fab night, something I will always remember and uh, I think I put pictures up and all the rest of it so some of you may be seen that but it was a great night and great to meet Bruce and everyone 
So, anywho, season's greetings to y'all, and uh, I'm remembering Stuart today, particularly, um, uh, it being the 16th today, and uh, I want to wish everyone out there a peaceful new year, stay alive, and I'm just nipping out to see Star Wars at something like five minutes past midnight, which is mental, but there we go, may the force be with you. Have at y'all. Ciao question from Andrew Braidwood to both what is your favorite non-audio big country related memorabilia mine is a press release photo of the clown and the wolfman as featured on the new 30th anniversary t-shirt so favorite big country related memorabilia well as you know maybe uh, I'm not a huge memorabilia guy I I like uh, the bootleg music I like the videos I like the CDs um, I don't have a lot of stuff so I guess for me, probably my favorite thing would be um, an old Steel Town poster that I have framed in my in my man cave from the period. Um, I have another one that's uh, another poster of the Seer album, um, which I love both of those. And I guess I guess if there's anything else, uh, it's not really it's, it's not official memorabilia, but I've got um, Stewart's phone number that he wrote on a piece of paper and gave to me when I met him in Nashville and he gave it to me. And this is when he, that story that I've told many times about meeting him out there, he said, call me tomorrow morning. Um, and we'll, we'll go to lunch. And he wrote his phone number on a piece of paper and ripped it out and gave it to me. And I still have that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm sure the number doesn't work anymore, but, um, or at least goes to obviously someone else, but, um, that's a nice little thing to have. And also I have a set list that I took from the stage of the Buffalo Skinners tour in um, Washington, D.C., in Georgetown at the place called the Bayou. So that's that's a nice little piece, too. And I, I got all the guys to sign it. Nice. Yeah, I think for me it would have to be uh, one of the things they sold on the big country store many moons ago that I think is now very desirable, which is that beautiful print of the picture of the band that everybody in the band signed. That is yeah. a gorgeous, gorgeous thing, and we got nice. that professionally framed, and that's hanging on the wall, and that's uh, that's got to be one of it. And my wife also has uh, a note with a personal greeting from Stuart, where he says, "Be happy and love Stuart Adamson." It's one of those little things that he would do for people, and that uh, is a very treasured item. That's not great. mine, <laughs> not mine technically, but I guess it's sort of mine by that's marriage. Funny. That's awesome. That's funny. My wife has something too that he signed for her, and it says "Be lucky." Okay. <laughs> it's Stuart, so that's interesting. And cool. I can't believe I forgot this. I'm looking at it right now. This is actually would be my favorite. Um, it's the poster from the gig that I played with them uh, at the Tally Ho Theater in Leesburg. It's the poster from the from the gig, and everybody signed it. And uh, that's right. I sent you, yeah, and I sent you one that everybody signed. Although Derek uh, kind of screwed up. <laughs> Derek screwed up. <laughs> he signed yours to Tom. <laughs> to Tom. I, that's why he's gone from the band. <laughs> no, but uh, there are some great. I think Bruce signed it to the Mad Norwegian. Yeah, and, yeah, that's uh, right. And Mike said to sign with respect, which obviously is very appreciated because what what is there to respect? I know he's the guy who who deserves the respect for, of everybody. No, so so that is also a, a treasured item and you know thank you again for that that that's a great one it isn't yeah. framed yet so i don't think as much about it as the one that's framed but uh, i still have to say that that beautiful print we got from the the shop is probably has to be the one item oh well, good good yeah the next one is very quick for me 
Paul Barker asked, have you managed to listen to any of the recordings Mark have done with Bruce Foxton and Pete Townsend this year? What do you think? I have not heard it. I have not heard it either. Okay. So I have thoughts. I know he said he, when we talked to him, he said he was working with Pete on a new solo album. Um, but I haven't heard anything from that. So No. Now this might be a reminder to actually go on and check it out. Uh, okay, so I'll just take another one from Paul Barker as well. Uh, he says, uh, as in your last brilliant episode, you talked about crowdsource funding with Kirsten. Would you consider raising it again with the band so us very fortunate British fans can chip in to send them to your neck of the woods and further? Yeah, I guess we can bring it up. I don't think that helps. I think they're, they're well aware of the possibilities as well as the challenges and uh, anything related to crowdsourcing. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I don't see the point in bringing it up again at, at this point. It, we it, we might end up just be annoying to them <laughs> if we're not already. <laughs> yeah, I so think that so. we've made it we've made it pretty clear and what um, you know the, the idea, and I think they um, hadn't really wrapped their head around it. I think they probably have now, and and um, for for whatever reason they just choose not to do it. So maybe at this point it's more the timing. I would hope. Because we did a whole episode where we talked about the plans of the band and uh, we did crowdsourcing as a big chunk of that episode and they have heard it and they know about this. So anything more is just harping on it and beating a dead horse. Yeah, yeah. And we did get Kirsten to offer her uh, words on the show where she said she thought they should just do it. So uh, she offered her own viewpoint. So I would, I, whatever it takes for the band to put out new music, I would I would love, and and I'm sure sure I speak for everyone out there when when I say that we would gladly pay uh, what would be essentially, as Kirsten said on the show, a, a pre order fee um, to get the band to to record something. So yeah. if it happens, it happens. We'll see. Our final one is from Doug Mitchell says who in the whole world of music that have come on the scene in the past five years do you both think have the same magic and longevity as big country and give a track name that we can judge harshly if needed <laughs> uh, i've got no answer for this i mean there's a problem the in the past five years there's a yeah. big problem with the question because no matter who you have and no matter what kind of fan base you're talking about, if you have a band that you bring to that fan base and say, this band is just as good as our band, and they, are, they have the same magic, they are one for the ages, they're just as good, what do you think? Do you think people will say, oh, that's great? Or will they say, huh, really? <laughs> it's it's kind of like you you're throw it to the wolves because no one will be as good. It's It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. There won't be another big country. There won't be another, no matter what band you uh, you think. When Enya dies, there, there will not be a new Enya to take her place. When Kiss goes away, there won't be a Kiss 2.0. But uh, you can find bands... <laughs> it won't be the same. Whether, whether, <laughs> it whether, the, whether it exists doesn't mean that it can take its place. So this is a question that has a problem in it, that you know, no matter what we bring up, it... It won't be on the same level and it won't have the same magic because the original is unique and that's why we love it. Right. But uh, and we, I think a lot of the issue too is that the, the, the music scene is so different yeah. these days. I, I personally don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that I'm older and can't relate anymore to what it would be like to be a teenager discovering a new band these days. But it's got to be so different because it's just not the same in in the days when big country came out and had that magic a lot of that magic was the result of the fact that we read about them in magazines we saw them on videos we heard them on the radio we 
we bought their album and buying their album was something that was very special. It wasn't something that you you say, hey, there's a new big country album. Look, the whole thing is on YouTube. Let's go listen to it through our through our uh, iPod headphones. You know, it was it was a religious experience then to buy a new album by someone to think about that album coming out to sit and listen to it and to look at the liner notes and all that stuff and i yeah. know i'm sounding like an old fuddy-duddy here but uh that that magic is is gone from the world so i guess young people now um who discover new bands have to come up with their own sort of magic and i'm sure they do but for me personally i i can't see an, a, a new band that is that i could even see that would have the ability to have that kind of longevity because of the climate of music piracy and and the fact that albums don't really sell much anymore um it's just such a different landscape it so. is and uh, we spent some time earlier this episode listing uh, five bands each that we yeah. think have something springing from a big country love uh so uh did we find a new big country there? No, we didn't. <laughs> we found some bands that have some trademarks. There might be something you like. Uh, I couldn't, with good conscience, bring someone to a big country fan saying, this is the next big country. Right. I, I, will, I will only say this. If there was um, if one band on that list that I could say is a band that I really look forward to having new music released, uh, it's, it's Isley. Probably I look forward to them. Mm. doesn't even remotely mean they're in the same universe for me as Big Country. But uh, that is a band that tends to release music at a pretty good clip, and I always look forward to their releases. That's that's the best I can do. <laughs> Sorry, right. Doug. There you have it, Doug. Go and tear into them and judge them harshly. <laughs> yes, yes. As they, sh- as they should be. All music should be judged harshly. It's uh, It's serious stuff. I mean, at our age, we don't have time for time wasters. That, time that's the biggest it. thing. All right, so I have some questions especially for you. All right. Uh, Kenny Henderson wants to know, who would you rather have doing backing vocals on your next album, Swine or The Singing Ladies? <laughs> well, I'd much rather have The Singing Ladies, um, but I don't know. I, well, maybe that, maybe that is a good toss-up. They are cheaper. They're cheaper. I, I, I was going to say at, at least maybe they would be more interesting to look at but maybe not i don't know what what 30 years have done to them 20 years <laughs> long it's been all right <laughs> it's good to know that i'm a good number two <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and by the way back to, really quickly back to that tardis question i i i think what i would do it just hit me i would go back to the recording of eggplant and destroy all the equipment before that could be could be done that would be my answer to the the tardis question I don't I w- think I that's true. I don't think you'd waste a perfectly good opportunity to see something historic just <laughs> for the gimmick song. I think All right, well, I really yeah, like okay. we like eggplant. We're gonna do an episode of eggplant in two thousand sixteen. You have a fondness for it. All right, well let me ask you one because I got uh, a couple for you here too. Um so here is one once again from our from our friend Abner. He says just fine you were given only three items to change about the Steel Town LP. What three things would you change and why? This is assuming you would change anything, but if you if you could change three, that seems like a lot of things to change. Yeah, to I mean, only three. Do I, I, <laughs> <laughs> how many things do you think I need? <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I think um, 
I don't want to change anything, but I would be very interested. Like I, what I hoped would materialize a couple of years ago, is that we would get a, a remix of an album, and have that on a separate disc from a remaster of the album, so that I can listen to a completely remixed and cleaned up, and perhaps um, taken away a few layers here and there, where it made sense to give it a bit more room to breathe. I would, I'd be very interested to to hear that. Yeah. But I don't want to change it into that if if you take away what we have today. So uh, within the space of that cleanup process, I guess, you know, if, if that's one, then that's all I need. Yep. All right. That's it. Maybe they could record it in Norway instead of Sweden. <laughs> that's, a, that's a thing the Swedes would, will always have on us. Big country recorded an album there. They will. So Abner has one for you, too. Uh, if you could go back in history and re-storyboard any big country video, which would it be and why? <laughs> re-storyboard any big country video. Well, uh, You have a lot to work with there. A lot to work with. I guess I would go back to the Chance video and, uh, <laughs> and re-storyboard that. So that yeah, even bigger <laughs> roll of sucks. Oh, man. I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough question there. I, I really like a lot of their early videos. Um, wouldn't change anything about most of them, but uh, I, I guess for me, with the later videos, what I would probably change is maybe less, less of the lip syncing components. I know obviously every video is lip synced uh, and has that component to it, but some of the some of the later ones were maybe. Wait, you know what? No, I have the perfect answer. I would go to the alone video and I would remove all storyboards that showed that Gollum behind the <laughs> drum kit, Martin Chambers. He would be he would be stricken from all storyboards. Martin Chambers would be gone. He, he was too difficult to look at. It frightened me as a young child seeing that video, and um, I, I would rep- I would I would just not show a drummer at all in that. Or if I did, it would be from a very very far distance. So I would restoryboard that to to remove Martin Chambers. So some uh, some unknown drummer at the very far end of the beach. You yeah, can, there you go. Yeah, and all exactly. the seagulls charging towards him. <laughs> I was surprised you wouldn't go for like the seagulls attacked Martin Chambers. <laughs> uh, the big lumbering golem behind the quit. The all right. <laughs> I have one from Arlen Bartels or Barlin Artels. I don't Wait, know. I've got one. I've got one for you. All right, go for it, Arlen. Um, he says. The question to Svine is to justify his apparent like of aha. I like that, his apparent like. Um, other than the Norway connection, he doesn't quite get it. It's because he knows that he, he, he... Wait, I should read the beginning of this. He says, I know that his normal musical fare is metal. So the question to Svine is to justify his apparent like of aha. Other than the Norway connection. Guilty pleasure, perhaps? Uh, talk about your love of aha. Well, I've already mentioned aha, so clearly I'm not feeling too guilty about it. <laughs> but uh, no, Aho is an interesting one because I, they, uh, they have uh, a very interesting career. Sort of, the, the blessing and the curse is the song "Take on Me" because that forever places them in a certain category that really isn't that representative of what the band is. Um, and what the band is is a very guitar-driven, melancholy band. I mean, they are they are the masters of melancholy. So if all you know is Take On Me and perhaps The Sun Always Shines on TV, you don't know what they have. I mean, they, they there are songs that um, 
I mentioned uh, the beginning of uh, the demo to Dynamite Lady. Sounds like one of their songs. That's not an accidental thing. They have a lot of songs that go in that vein and that are almost night songs and or melancholy. So um, there's a lot to, to come from that. And one of their interesting time is the early 90s when uh, they, they split for a while. After 93, 94, they, they were sort of barren until 2000. And the years before that split up are very interesting years because they sort of explored Americana in their music and they went to Prince's recording studio in uh, whatever it's called and m- made this really strange album, this really inward looking and really dark album. Take On Me is a far cry from that. So I think as far as justifying it, I would ask how much aha do you know and how much do we need to set the record straight in terms of what their perceived image and style is and what it actually is. It's a very interesting career. They had their hits years. Uh, they had um, like 30 years after that. Yeah, it's amazing. They're still around. I, honestly, I know very, very little about them, I, except for the obvious tunes that they released. I've, I've never listened to there are some really interesting stuff uh, floating around, and um, obviously we're running out of time in terms of how much do we spend on Aha in this show, but I, th- I know from from um, earlier years that a lot of people on the Big Country mailing list were also Aha fans, so clearly it's not just me. There are a lot of people that see something there uh, in terms of uh, the oh, yeah. music meaning something more, and uh, they go pretty deep. I mean, the main songwriter is uh, is Paul. And he is like the the super introvert. You never see him in inter- interviews. You have Mags, the more the clown, and you have Mutten, the the awkward poster boy, and then you have the the guy in the background who makes all these super melancholic, sad yet beautiful type songs, that I'm sure most people have no clue what it really is. And Aha is primarily. I've always seen them as an albums band. They they have some incredible, you know, albums that just paint the larger picture. So. Some of my favorites come from that aforementioned time, like Memorial Beach came out in 93. You have East of the Sun, West of the Moon from uh, 90. All these albums that got the Super Deluxe Edition releases this year, so that's been fantastic for me to go into the demo versions of all these songs and, and listen. So uh, as you clearly can uh, can hear, I, I really like them. And um, being Norwegian helps because you're super exposed to them over here, but uh, I don't think that's enough with the exposure you you go deep and uh, you find uh, something that really matters in there nice cool hope that was good enough Arlen <laughs> you know it was kind of fun because Kenny asked me uh, earlier in the year you know I, I don't know much about them which album should I start with so uh, you know that's cool if people can start uh, I mentioned a couple albums there um but uh, all albums have something, even um, Hunting High and Low, which is the first, the most 80s sounding album. Even there, you have songs about standing alone and facing the rain. <laughs> it's just all miserable sounding. And the album starts with Take On Me, so you get that out of the way. And then you have all the the melancholic stuff you get into. And it's it's kind of like sad, beautiful, I guess. It's a lot of the common theme for a lot of their songs. <laughs> nice. nice. Very, very blue. All right, was that the last one? I think you had one for me. I had one for you. That was the last one for me, yes. Yeah, he's asking you what you think of the Redskins' playoff chances. Oh, and everyone out there says, who gives a crap? I guess we just want to hear you squirm. (laughs) Well, the fact that they have playoff chances this late in the year is an amazing improvement. So I will take it. 
and we shall see. Okay. That was actually positive. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I've spoken to you previous years, and it's not been anything like this. No, usually by this time in the year, the the season is done, and they're just playing it out. So uh, Mm. they actually have a chance to make the playoffs, and I'm going to the game tomorrow. We'll see. So how about those Dallas Cowboys? Are they in the game? Oh, those bastards. Now, they beat us recently, but they uh, they are pretty much out of it. They're they're terrible this year. No, oh. yet they still managed to beat us. So how much did they beat you with? Uh, it was it was a close game. We lost at the end. How uh, did how how did you feel when they thrashed you? Oh, horrible! Uh, always, ever since I was a child, being <laughs> beaten by the Cowboys is the worst feeling uh, in in sports. So I'm really sorry to hear that. Yeah, I know. You want me to continue to go on? Well, if you have more to explore, but <laughs> no, this is the Yuletide, so we can't end on on such a downer. At least, uh, yeah, it's a downer. I'll, I'll share your pain right. in theory. They still have a chance, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'm happy. All right. Well, that was that was our, that was good, I guess. That was, <laughs> that was good, I guess. <laughs> you that's have to man yourself up from that question and say, "Okay, that was good." That's our slogan for the rest of our episodes going forward. Yeah, that, that was, was good, good I, guess. I guess. Exactly. But no, thank you guys for bearing with us on the Utah show. Yeah, as I said in the beginning, this is our chance to kind of scrape the script a little bit. Yeah, it's a ramshackle affair, but we got it, through it. It is. And uh, your questions helped. Your speak pipes helped, and. Uh, it was fun, Tom. It was fun. We got through it. And yeah. I know a couple of more bands to check out now, so thank you for those. Yes, thank you for yours. I'll, I'll check some of them out, definitely. All right. It's been a good year. Thank you for all your, your help and work on this on the show this year. And uh, Next, we will start the new year off with some sort of a bang related to the Buffalo Skinners. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, that's a, it's a big album in the catalog. It should be fun to talk about. It's huge, and the first song will be the Martin Chambers one. Yeah, I look forward to that. We'll, we'll talk a lot about his impact on the song and the <laughs> album in general, and his visual style and how that changed the future of Big Country. That's really good. Yeah, look forward to that already. Now things are looking up here, so this is good. But uh, thank you for 2015, Tom, and uh, we'll 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 be back. So in the meantime, just have a merry Christmas you as well and everyone else out there whatever you celebrate have a good one yes it's always good to talk Tom yeah you too yeah we'll be back thank you all Merry Christmas goodbye
The foulest imps of hell His fiendish frame they fashioned A monstrous crimson hog With breath of cheese and dung Unleashed one poor Noel Through our gates he came a-crashin' He shat a yuletide log Then attacked like a hawk mouse a tongue Oh, Christmas hog Oh, Christmas hog The village elders fled To caves those Nancys retreated Every douche for himself, they said Christmas hog cannot be defeated a bravest knight did fall At the hooves of this abomination His belly began to swell and bloat As he sucked on thorax and spleen Oh, Christmas hog Oh, Christmas hog Oh, Christmas hog Christmas hog A hellgramite husk of desecration Christmas hog Satan's most all-inspiring creation It seemed that all was lost As the last brave knight was eaten The hog did flatulate Then he mockery upon all mankind And now descends the night of pigs And my thousand-year reign of terror Merry Christmas, bitches Enjoy your trip through the fecal pig intestines Of Christmas Hall Christmas And then a bell did ring And the Christmas hog grew still Then up through his gullet erupted a trident With bounce of bile and gore T'was Santa who wielded the instrument Of Christmas hog's obliteration He laughed like a jolly old elf That commanded his reindeer to feast on the Point the fattest lummox to play the part of the hog. The tale was meant to convey the true meaning of the season. I've forgotten what it was, but it was something about the ass beating a Christmas hog. 